Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. My guest today is a good friend of mine, and she's also a financial expert and a fellow R.H. King Academy <laughs> alumni. Please welcome Rabina Ahmed Hawk. How you doing, honey? I'm doing really well, and I love how you threw that R.H. King Academy well, in listen, there. There's probably only about 100 people who care, but I figure we cared, so I would throw it out there. I'm sharing it with our Facebook group immediately. Oh, my God. Because listen to this. So we have been friends for a while. We've known each other for a while. And we found out just recently that we went to the same high school at the same time and didn't know each other back then. How crazy is that? Because you were two years older than me, so you might as well have gone to another school. Maybe I mean, a little bit in Poughkeepsie. Exactly. So even friends of mine, I got them to look at your photo. They're like, no idea who she no is. No idea. Because it's also, I would have been in grade 11. There's no way I would have talked to you. I'd be like, oh my God. Yeah, Are you, you lost little girl? And the few people I do recognize that you hung out with were way too cool for me. Were they? Yeah. I, listen, I didn't hang out with anybody cool in high school. <laughs> no offense to them, but let's be real. We weren't cool. So that's <laughs> hilarious to hear. All right. So let's get into this money and relationship conversation. Now, why are people so shy about having that money conversation when they're in a relationship with someone? Like, they're quick to be like, let's move in together. Let's make a baby. Let's get married. But there's very rarely a time where it's like, let's talk about finances. Where are you? Do you have debt? Do you have any savings? How come we don't do that? Money, I always say, is funny. Uh, recently, I read that they asked a group of people, tell us about your favorite sexual position. And they were totally fine to describe exactly what their favorite sexual position was. Mm. But then the next question was, tell us how much you make. And they said, that's too personal. Ooh. So money is one of those things where it really mm. does define us. It makes us feel like we're either doing better than everybody else or not doing as well as anybody else. It kind of feels like it puts us into a category because if you're making a lot of money, people think, oh, well, you know, this person's going to treat me. This person's going to take me out for dinner. This person's got the nice condo or the nice house. And if you're not making a lot of money, that person's thinking, well, you didn't do so well in university or school. That's yeah. why you landed. A lot of judgment. A lot of judgment. And I think people carry that when Whenever you ask them that question, how much money did you make? How much investments do you have? It just feeds into all of that insecurity that you're going to judge me by the number I'm going to give you. Well, I think that, you know what, that's a very good point. I'm glad you, you talked about that because I also think it's hilarious that people are more than willing to talk about the fact they like doggy style, but then won't talk about their savings account. Yeah, that's, <laughs> even that's, if even if their even if their account is you know doing well, they're still more comfortable talking about those things that are probably the most intimate things in their lives. Yeah, uh, but they won't talk about you know something that is something they should be proud. Well, of. you know, what's so funny. Okay, I don't know about you, but when I go to the ATM, you know, when you get your slip about like and it shows you your balance, I you still you know, go to the ATM. Some, listen, Andrea, listen, I'm an old woman. <laughs> okay, but you know how like lots of people leave their receipts. 
all over the place, I refuse. Like, I'm like, even in that situation, I don't want the judgment. I'm like, let me take that and rip it up into tiny pieces and throw it in the garbage. There's something about somebody knowing what's going on in my financials that I'm just so not comfortable with. At the same time, I'm not discussing with the group the fact that, like, where I like my leg during coitus, but what, whatever. Everybody's different. This is why we're having this conversation. So let's get into dating the unemployed. All right. So unemployment happens to just about everyone at some point, and sometimes the circumstances are out of your control. But a new study from a dating site called It's Just Lunch reveals that 75% of women find unemployment to be a real turnoff. So what do you do if the person you're with is often out of work or having a difficult time getting a job? And what is the best way to handle the financial uh, financial situation? Um, so let's start with the first question. So what if he or she doesn't seem to be able to keep a job for, fair, for very long? What should you do in that situation? Well, there's two different types of unemployed people. There's unemployed and then there's unambitious. And if you bring those two together, <laughs> that's a really tough that's a really tough person to be with because mm-hmm. you're sympathetic to them because they don't have a job, but they're also not doing anything to get themselves out of that situation. So you have to really look inside yourself. Like, do you want to be with someone that shows this kind of unambitious sort of attitude mm-hmm. when it comes to making money and furthering themselves in their career? If you feel like your salary would be able to manage not just you, but the life of the person that you're with and your children, and you're okay with that, yeah. and you think they might be able to give back in other ways, that's fine. That's your personal decision. And that's what you want to do. But in most cases, people want to be with other people that have similar financial values. Say it. And so if you're with somebody that's always, even if they're employed, but they're always spending money in a way that sort of annoys you or bothers you, Mm -hmm. you're eventually going to fight about that. So you've got to really think long and hard about, you know, what you want to be responsible for. And do you love this person so much that you're willing to sacrifice your own finances over them? Dealing with their gypsy money. That's what my my aunt used to call it. Because sometimes they have money and then sometimes they don't have money for long stretches of time, which is a difficult person to be with. I love that. I love your answer about that. Now, how do you encourage your partner if they can't find work? Like, say you're with that person who lacks ambition. Do you think you should stick around and help that person build up that confidence so they can go and get those jobs or even help apply for those jobs for them? I wouldn't apply for jobs for them. But if you're with someone, say you've been with them for a while, they've lost their job, they're feeling down in the dumps because maybe they feel like... Nobody out there wants me. Maybe I got to, you know, what am I going to do next? Exactly. And, Mm -hmm. you know, being fired or let go or laid off is not a good feeling. Mm -hmm. You know, it can really lead to months and months, sometimes years of just feeling less than. So if you love that person, you've been with them for a while, you know what they're like when they're working. Mm -hmm. Try to find, get a way to re- uh, introduce themselves to that old person, the person that really did love their work, that mm-hmm. really loved getting up in the morning, and help them get the resources to even just get out of bed and go, you know, meet some people, network, uh, go speak to people who are maybe working in the field that they want to be mm-hmm. working in. So there's nothing wrong with encouraging them. But if you're with someone who who really is like a deadbeat and doesn't want to get off the couch and wants to watch TV and get you to bring home all the money and pay for everything. Leave that person. I, yeah. Leave that person. Because or what about this situation? What about, okay, so say the person's having a difficult finding a job, but there are always jobs out there. It's just maybe not the job that you want. So do you think if you're in a relationship and say you're the one who's unemployed, do you think that person should just take like a whatever job? It could be just a barista at a coffee shop or any kind of little job just so they're bringing in some income. Or do you think that they should take their time and wait until they find the job that they like? Because I think that's what a lot of people do. And it's kind of seen as like you're sitting around, but that person is perhaps waiting for that right opportunity. What do you think they should do? 
So it, again, it depends on your path in your career. So say you've lost your job in your mid-50s and you're upper management, I think it would be a hard sell for that person to say, oh, why don't you go work at the local coffee shop mm-hmm. while that other upper man- management job comes through? Mm-hmm. But if that person is highly skilled, highly educated, maybe they could be taking courses. Maybe they could be upgrading the skills that they maybe need to get that better job. Mm-hmm. That might be something they could be doing proactively. Mm-hmm. But yes, if you're a younger person where you know, I do believe that you have more flexibility when you're young. You can get away with doing odd jobs and people not judging you as much and maybe you yep. not feeling as awkward about it. Yeah, if you need to pay the bills, regardless of your age, regardless of what you did before, if you've got to pay bills, you've got to get to work and yeah. you've got to find you've got to find a way to make some money and then in your off time, you've got to start looking, you know, down the road to that dream job and continue to sort of chip away at that mm-hmm. until it becomes a reality. Okay. And okay, so are there any tips for a person who wants to cut down costs? Say that your partner's just going through a rough time, maybe it's been six months. What are the things that they can cut back on so that they can, you know, kind of keep their head above water while the other person finds the job? So I always say this to people who want to save money. The number one way you can save is by looking at your variable spending. And variable spending is money that you have some control over. Mm -hmm. And that includes your grocery shopping. That includes your entertainment, your vacations. It includes, you know, your home decor, things that you buy to sort of make your home more beautiful. These are all things that you can control. Yes, you can't control your rent. You can't control your mortgage. These are things you have less control over. But if things are really really tough, Mm -hmm. you might want to think about your living situation. Should I be moving to a place that's a little bit cheaper if Mm -hmm. you have that option, say your lease is coming to an end? In a city like Toronto, if you are living in a big city like Toronto, that might not be an option because sometimes moving means paying more rent down the road. But if, I mean, you can look at those those, um, those more uh, rigid costs if that is if that is something you really need to do need to change where you live so you can save money but the variable spending start making a list when you go to the grocery store um, try to eat at home as much as you can so all the fun stuff get rid of all the fun stuff it's so going to the mo- no it is the fun stuff <laughs> going to the movies eating out getting the organic strawberries instead of the I don't know the other rancid strawberries they're not like rancid all, well, no, I'm just saying like <laughs> just it's the fun stuff you gotta get rid of the fun stuff until the both of you are perhaps back in a, in a better financial situation. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, or get rid of the stuff that you don't necessarily need to live your day-to-day life. I think that's a better way of putting it. It doesn't mean you have to stop having fun. Mm -hmm. It just means you have to stop spending money on having fun. What she's saying is you got to stop having fun. (laughs) And it's like, this is the reality. I mean, people Mm -hmm. often say, well, I was making this much and I should be able to have this life. It's really, your money is your money. The number is the number that you have and you can only spend within it. So if you don't if you're if you are in a situation where one person isn't working and looking for work and you're supporting the two of you, yeah. you've got to cut back. Otherwise, you're going to yeah. run out of cash. And I think sometimes it's a psychological thing. Like I know a lot of people have lost their job and they perhaps are making a lot of money and they're still once they're unemployed, they still have the mindset and the spending habits of the person who was making six figures. And it takes them a while to kind of get out of that. It's like, hey, I know you just want to buy those four hundred dollars shoes, but how about you wait till you get another job? Like, I guess that's a conversation you'd have to have with your partner, hopefully. And this is something where you can be proactive about it. So if you're listening to this podcast right now and you're mm-hmm. thinking, okay, I don't want to be in that kind of situation, start living below your means right now. Oh, so if you're idea. making $50,000, start living as if you're making $45,000 a year. If you're making $300,000, start living as if you're making $200,000 a year. That's all it is. It's such a simple lesson mm-hmm. is that all you have to do is live slightly below your means. And I don't mean you have to live like, you know, like a student for the rest of your life. <laughs> Like one chair in your place, one yeah, fork, one means, knife. It means maybe not driving the most expensive car, but 
buying from the same dealership but not with all the bells and whistles. Yeah. I mean, it, sometimes it's very, very simple decisions like that that mm-hmm. will keep money in your pocket that prepare you for the times when... You. Things are a little bit lean. Exactly. That makes a lot of sense. I like that because you know what? You think about it, especially as your income goes up, all of a sudden you do feel this need to like, well, not need. I shouldn't say that. But you end up hanging out with people who make that kind of money. So all of a sudden your vacations are more expensive. Your car is more expensive. The clothes, all of a sudden you can't shop at that store anymore. But you're right. If you kind of keep yourself at that level where you're comfortable, take that extra money. Because what I usually do is I take that extra money and I put it in a savings account. So that once I've like bumped up and pay, if I, you know, the few hundred times, no, no, the few times that it happens, not hundred times I'm like, like the few hundred dollars that it goes up, I try to put that away so that I don't spend it. So I don't get myself accustomed to spending way more money. Yeah, I mean, rainy day fund or emergency fund, whatever you want to call it, especially if you work like it's I said. It's called like I'm gig. Broke Fund. It's the yeah. I'm Broke Fund. That's what it's called. Living with a spender. Now, in a new study published in the Journal of Family and Economic Issues, it confirmed that dating an overspender actually lowers your quality of life um, and they have the scientific data to confirm it. The researchers found that the more responsible the participants perceived their partners to be with money, the higher their own sense of well-being and the happier they were in the relationship. The, os- the opposite was also true. Participants who thought their partners were bad with money had a lower sense of well-being and felt less committed to the relationship. Now, oh my goodness, if I had a dollar for every time I had a friend, I will not call out any names, although I am so tempted, um, who would on their payday, this is I'm talking about people who are married with children and a household on their payday, go and spend the majority of their check and then hide those like at some store, hide the items in the trunk and say stuff like my husband can't know about this because I already told like I'm already like over and he told me not to use a credit card. So I got to use this card because he doesn't know about this card. There are so many people who are living beyond their means. So I think this is a really important conversation. So I want to know what should you do? If the person that you're with spends money without regard for their income or yours or the household responsibilities. Yeah, divorce. That's, that's a real tough one. <laughs> yeah, divorce seems like that. This is my answer for everything. <laughs> divorce. Leave yeah. them. Um, it's a tough one because when you uh, are bad with money, it again goes back to that judgment where you just assume that the per- people who are bad with money are not very smart. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're not very sophisticated, right? We just assume that. But people who are highly educated and are really good with 99% of their life mm-hmm. can still be bad with money. So it's about trying to build a line of communication between what they're spending does to your family lifestyle. Mm-hmm. So maybe trying to put in perspective if you spend $200 a week on clothes, that equals a family vacation in the summer. Maybe trying to put it into realistic terms of mm. what that money is actually, how it's actually impacting your family life. Now, if you're not able to get through them through them that way, maybe separating some of your finances might be the smartest way to do it. So mm. they're responsible to pay for X amount. You're responsible to pay for X amount. So that keeps them honest, makes sure that they're putting See, that money I in. I thought you would say the opposite. I thought that a joint account, because all, all the spending that you're doing, you're going to have to be accountable to that person because they can see that you just went to this department store and blew $800 on one item. And they're going to be like, what is this? Because we could have, that's the money that we could, you know, the vacation you want to take, the savings for the kids' school and all of that stuff. But you're saying perhaps keeping it separate so it doesn't affect you? Is it well, better, maybe is it setting up a system where maybe setting up a system where if you think that that person is spending all their paycheck on things that don't matter to the family, mm-hmm. say I can't trust you in the way that you spend. <laughs> if I set up a joint account, you're going to spend that money as well. That's a very so, romantic conversation. Yeah, very romantic. <laughs> I can't trust you yeah. with money. I can't. So what I'm going to do 
is say that this is X amount is what you need to contribute to the household and see if that system works for a while. But you are right. I am a big believer in combining finances, joining accounts, and having one credit card. Uh, I I honest, keeps you accountable. It keeps you accountable. And I feel like when you get married, it's like you're building a little business. Yes. And if you're going to be in business together, then you've got to know what each other is doing with their money. And you've got to be able to have those honest conversations on the, on a monthly basis, right? I'm so glad you said that because I said that to a person uh, a while ago and they accused me of being unromantic. I said, listen, a marriage is like a business. And you, if you're going into business, you really aren't going to go into business with a person you don't trust with money or you don't think they're very smart. So why in your relationships would you partner yourself up? And they're like... That's so unromantic. I go, well, my sister's a divorce lawyer, and I highly suggest you talk to one because at the end of all your romance, when things don't go well, you know what everybody's squabbling about? They're not squabbling about feelings and the cards that you wrote. They're squabbling about money. That's mine. I paid for this. Why do you get this? I want 50%. That is what it comes down to. So I'm so glad you said that. I'm like, see, I'm not unromantic. I'm just practical. And even anecdotally speaking, when I run in, we have tons and tons of couple friends, and when I run into one of the couple, mm-hmm. 99% of the time, because they know I talk about personal finance, yeah. they want to complain about their partner's spending habits. Oh, and the what other do you way do? Over, and I just sort of, because I don't want to take sides. Sometimes they want advice. Sometimes they want to know what I think about something. But often I'll run into people and they'll say, I can't believe she did this, or I can't believe he spent on this, or I can't believe he's ex- uh, expecting me to put this much money into it. And all of these things that all come down to money. So it's top of mind for mm. everybody. So if you have a partner that is spending more money than makes you comfortable, you've got to really rethink about, rethink that relationship not in we're going to get divorced and separate but how you're going to function in that relationships so that you have you can build trust again because it's a big one so how soon into the relationship do you think you should be discussing money so as soon as you start to think about merging your finances, so I would say bef- about the time you get engaged or you move in together, you know, as soon as you make a decision like that, you're merging your money. So when you're dating, mm-hmm. you could be dating someone who's unemployed, that doesn't have any money, but it doesn't really affect you. You can basically break up with them, first yeah. of all, whenever you want. <laughs> you- and secondly, they're not, they're not on your lease. They're not, you know, it doesn't not, matter. It doesn't matter. You can right? delete them from your phone and they're gone. Yeah. You can just I ghost them overnight. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, you might be in love with them. They might be, you know, you might have had a five year relationship. You might share a dog or something. But I mean, <laughs> really, if, if you think about it, it's not hard to break your finances with someone you're dating yeah. if they're not living in your home. As soon as someone moves into your home, you've got to know what their debts are, what their salary is, what their own financial goals are. And mm-hmm. they have to know you yours because mm. you will know from the get-go if it doesn't mesh and you can at least have that conversation as to how you're going to compromise or mm. decide for yourself this person isn't going to work for me and I, you know what i think you just touched on something i think that's the reason why people don't say anything like especially a person who's carrying say a lot of student debt or credit card debt i think the reason why they don't want to have that conversation because they are afraid that if they let if this person were to ever find out how bad their spending habits are or what debt they're in perhaps this person would leave me and i don't want them to leave me so i'm going to keep this a, a secret like i actually know a girl I was at her wedding and they asked more specifically on the invitation uh, cash gifts only because they were moving to another country and they're like we can't bring all this stuff with us which I was like that makes sense and then we found out that during the wedding the uh, the groom took the box with all the envelopes and money and he went into a room locked the door counted all the money and then pocketed the money and then used the $25,000 to pay off his credit card debt credit card debt that she didn't know that he had and I'm like she's finding this out the day after the wedding and because everybody's like well where's the box where's all the money the cards are there he took all the money all the checks and he was like he paid off his debt 
And I'm like, and meanwhile, this is the best part. Her parents paid for the wedding and it was a $50,000 wedding. And I'm like, wow, that was something perhaps you guys should have talked about before you got married. And what's their situation now? Are they oh, still they together? Were, oh, honey, come on. Eight months later, they were done. Yeah. Eight months later, they were done. She, well, they there were other issues, but that was like a big one. It was like, it, we were also in the church kind of going, I give this two months. Like, right. to be very honest. We were, <laughs> it was that kind of wedding where like, this isn't going to laugh. Financial infidelity hurts. Oh. It hurts a lot. And it can really make you feel um, that you have had the wool pulled over your eyes, which yeah. nobody likes that feeling. Yep. And on top of everything else, it it. It actually stops you from being able to do stuff Wait, because so, you don't have that money. So do you think if you meet somebody and say they have a lot of debt, credit card or student loan, do you think that they should help their partner pay off that debt? Uh, yeah. I think that yeah? the partner can have. If, so if, if I meet someone today yeah. that has a lot of debt and we're getting married and they're upfront and honest and say, I have $50,000 in student debt. And it's because of this X, Y reason. And you guys decide as a couple that that debt is completely legitimate and it's not, it's not, it wasn't, it wasn't incurred because they went out shopping and they went on fancy vacations. Mm -hmm. And then you decide to get married. That debt belongs to both of you. Mm -hmm. And even if that person is paying that debt off on their own, you're still waiting for them to pay off so you can use that same money to help your household. So why not combine your finances and get that debt paid down? You're a good person because there's no bloody way. I couldn't do it. I'd be like, I've had debt. And I got rid of my debt on my own. And yes, it's hard. And yes, you go without doing things. But I don't know. Because you know what? There's the unpredictability of relationships. So I help you pay off your debt. And then you're like, you know what? I'm really not feeling this anymore. And it's like, oh, great. Now that I paid off your student loan, now you're not feeling me? I don't know. I feel like I would help that person uh, come up with a plan. Yep. I would be like, let's sit down with Rabina. And let's figure something out and let's get you, maybe you got to get a part-time job and that part-time job will be, you know, the money that you put towards your debt. But not coming from my account. It's I'm not. More, it's more, I more think of it in a pragmatic way where I see it as if I'm going to be with you, your debt is going to affect me until you pay it down. So let's do, let's deal with it together. How about if I'm going to be with you, I need you to see you put down that debt. I need you, you want me to you get all hot and bothered for you? Of it do you want me to put on some good bra and panties for you? Let me see you take <laughs> down that debt. I'm going to get real hot and bothered. Um, so, okay, here's another scenario. So what do you do if you're dating someone who still lives at home with their parents and you want them to start saving? Because I'm... Think about it. When I was living at home with my parents and I had a full-time job, I was reckless because what bills did I have? Like my cell phone, um, minimum payment on some credit card where the limit was probably like $5,000. That's not a big deal. And I was really just taking those paychecks and it was like I was in like in the spending. club. Just yeah. spending. And I, because I, I didn't have any real Andrew's responsibilities. And making it rain right now if I'm, anyone's interested what that is. This is me making yeah, it rain. not slapping folks. me around. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Although... We'll get into that later. Yeah. Um, so what do you do if you're with somebody who has been living off of somebody else and to kind of get them to be more financially responsible? Ah, uh, right. So if you meet somebody, I think if you meet someone in their late 20s, early 30s, those habits are sometimes very hard to break mm-hmm. because they might be very used to their cushy lifestyle where someone else is paying all the bills. But if you really want this relationship to work, it again comes down to talking to them about what their financial goals are and explaining to them how much it actually costs to live as an adult in the city on your own. Speak on so it. So rent, <laughs> you know, if you've got a home, you've got mortgage utilities, you've got to pay for your transportation, your your food costs, um, mm-hmm. you've got to go out and entertain yourself once in a while, those costs. And 
all of that has to work within your salary. So giving them examples, like taking their salary and helping them understand what kind of lifestyle they would be able to afford if they didn't have the help from their mom and dad that they were living with. Mm -hmm. And then not saying put an ultimatum, but definitely saying to them, say, I need you to be financially secure before I can make you know a long-term commitment to you. I want you to know what you're getting yourself into as well yeah. because it's living on your own is hard. It costs a lot of money, and most of your money goes towards things that we're not happy about. And you know what's so funny? Now that I'm like, I, I own two homes and I'm thinking to myself, if I dated someone who, who still lived at home with their parents, which let's be real, at this age, that would be a real tragedy in itself. Um, the idea that that person doesn't know how to balance a check, like balance a checkbook. Can you tell I'm giving my age away? Yeah, like, balance, yeah, yeah. Who balances a checkbook? <laughs> anyway, and going to the ATM. <laughs> somebody, who, somebody who just didn't know about the responsibilities of having to pay bills on time and the importance of that, I don't think I would be interested in dating that person. Like if they told I, me that on a first date, I'd be like, hmm. So I always tell people marry well or be with someone, you know, and this now is now you sound like my aunt. And this is what I mean <laughs> Honey, by marry that. rich. Well, Get yourself a rich man and so you can have your money and he can use his to pay all the bills. <laughs> which I was given that advice by the way. And Crazy. so marry well is both for men and women. It has nothing to do with marrying someone who is you know so much richer than you are. In fact, I would be very uncomfortable being married to somebody who had really? a, Have you read Crazy Rich Asians or seen yes. the movie? Yes. I would be so uncomfortable if I was Rachel. Like I would never want to be with a family like that because I would always be less than and I don't want to ever feel that How's way. less than? That's in your head. You're not less than? I guess so. You're equal. But I would never be able to give that. You're made of the back. same flesh and bone and blood. I agree. I, I agree. I have zero. If there is a rich man listening to this podcast, let me tell you something. I have no qualms. I will sign the prenup. I am equal. I don't have a problem with that. So, and it's the same, it's my same attitude when it comes to the people I spend time with as well. If I spend time with someone who has a lot more money than me, I, I find it sometimes hard to spend a lot of time with them because yeah. they want to do things I can't afford. They want to do rich people stuff. They want to do rich people stuff. <laughs> and then the same, the people who maybe don't have as much money as I do, who maybe are struggling in other ways financially. Yep. I I feel uncomfortable sometimes in that situation because I don't want them to feel like how I feel with those other people that are. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of nice to sort of swim in your own pool, I guess is the there only way go. I say it. So it's the same thing with marrying. It's like marry someone who has the same values as you, mm-hmm. same education as you, and same financial um, sort of grounding as you do. So... You know, if you're someone who likes to save and buy real estate, you want to be with someone who likes to save and buy real estate. Yeah. If you're someone who likes to f- spend freely, then you've got to find someone who likes to spend freely that's going to um, be able to come up with a solution of how you're going to live your life in that way. Oh, that's Listen, this is all. I'm so glad we're having this discussion. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Lending money to your partner. Now, most people know how difficult it can be to be broke, and apparently it can be just as hard to have too much money. I wouldn't know anything about that, by the way. But whether there's too much or, or too little, talking about money is always an awkward conversation. Now, actually giving someone a large sum of money or cash, large sum of cash, um, and expecting it back takes things to a whole other level. So, is it a smart idea, you can already see your face, Rubino, <laughs> to lend your partner money? 
So is this a partner that you're living with and you're already paying, you know, bills together or is this a someone Someone you're in a re- we're just going to say you're in a relationship. So if it's someone that you don't share finances with, I think it's okay. So you you're lending mm. them, so say you're dating someone mm-hmm. for a little while mm-hmm. and they say uh, I've got this idea and I need $10,000. I'm just using this as an example. <laughs> I'm okay? sorry. I'm already laughing. Yeah. <laughs> So That's you, nice. It's, yeah. So, okay. Or maybe $1,000. So they, you give them this $1,000 and you come up with some sort of contract that they're going to pay you back. Mm-hmm. Um, if they don't pay you back, then you, you have your own recourse. You could take them to court and try to get the money back as long as you have some sort of contract signed. But if you're living together, I don't understand how lending money to someone you're sharing finances with makes sense. It's more about making a decision whether this lump sum of money from your family pot is going to go towards something that they need to get done. So it's a completely different um, dynamic. I guess it depends on the scenario because it could be anything from, well, say the person wants to go to school. They want to go back to school and they want to take a course. That, you know, there's a lot of these courses are very expensive. And say your partner turns to you and says, listen, I'm not happy with my current job. I want to go back to school. It's a three-year program. It costs X amount of dollars. And they know you have it. That's the reason why they're asking. Do you think that that person should pay for it and give them say, oh, you know, people are always quick to say, I'll pay you back. I'll pay you back, which we all know. Most doesn't always happen. Doesn't yeah. always happen. Um, in that scenario, do you think that that partner who has the money should um, invest and give that tuition money to their partner? Is that a good idea? Yeah. I mean, I don't think it's a bad idea, especially if they're doing it to better themselves. But again, you have to have an agreement of how the money is going to be paid back. If you don't have your finances combined, I really would uh, agree. I would really. Uh, really put pressure on that person to have some kind of contract that you could show to say that I lent this money, here is the proof, and they have not paid me back. Mm. If you're living in the same house, it's really about, do we want to use $10,000 out of our line of credit to pay for your education? Do we want to use $10,000 out of our savings account to Mm. pay for anything? I I keep using $10,000. I don't know. It's just at the top of my head. But, you know, any whatever the amount is. Mm -hmm. So it's a completely different way of of talking about the money because one is, you know, it's taking it out of the household income or household overall spending and spending it on yourself for something that maybe might be better down the road. And the other is coming to somebody where they're going to actually take it out of their savings account and hand you a loan just like you'd hand to a friend. Mm. Um, but don't don't get sucked into that over and over again. If the person's done it once and they haven't paid you back, a lot of times we get into the cycle, well, this time it will be different. Um you know, check yourself. Make sure that you know that you're going to get your money well, back. Well, I, I think what's really probably challenging is it's not like just a regular friend asking you. It's someone that you're romantically connected to, someone you're having sex with, someone that you hold hands and do romantic st- things. And I think sometimes that person who's asking is asking because they know you have a soft spot for them. I really am just not a fan of it. I don't think I this is why you have, you know, best friends and parents and grandparents. I would sooner ask them for the money than ask for the ask the partner. I think it puts them in a a very difficult position because in the dating world like I can be dating you for two years and think that you're just the tits yeah. but that doesn't mean I want to give you $10,000 so you can go to school and better yourself because te- there's no guarantee you're right you get them to sign the contract if you can have that awkward conversation oh sure I'll give you the money just sign here my lawyer drafted something like all of that is very uncomfortable I'm like skip that figure out a way to do it on your own you want to impress your partner Show them that, you know what, you came up with an idea and you figured it out. You figured out how you're going to do it on your own. But I hear what you're saying, but I've just, I've just seen it go bad. And there's like how many stories have we ever heard about someone's like, I put her through school and then she left me and then she's with, she married somebody else or, you know, the, it happens to both on both sides. So that's why I'm just not 
a huge fan of it. But you did touch on the get them to sign a contract, which is super important because if things go south, that's how you protect you've got yourself, some, right? Yeah, you've got something. So how should you approach a person when it seems like they have forgotten that they owe you that money? Ah. I'm going to cross my arms and wait for this yeah. answer. So whether it's ten dollars mm-hmm. or a hundred thousand dollars, it doesn't matter. When someone <laughs> owes you that money, it keeps people keep it top of mind, right? And um, so I've come up with a polite way of asking someone: say, "Hey, so did you like that sweater that I gave you that you said you paid me back for?" You know, something like that. <laughs> you are way too nice. That's the way you get your money, your sweater so back? Sometimes, sometimes for, so for example, you and I go shopping. Yeah. And then you don't have money to buy a sweater. Yeah. And you buy the sweater. I buy the sweater for you. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll owe you back that 40 bucks. Yeah. All right. You forget about it. So me, the first way I would broach it, I would text you and say, so how, how's, how's your sweater? How's the sweater? Yeah. It's so my polite way of saying, you got to pay me the money back. But if it is a situation where... You know, the money is a large amount of money. You guys had agreed to some sort of payment plan. I say be upfront about it. Be like, hey, I lent you the money uh, three months ago. You said you would start paying me back at this point. Um, can I can I uh, trust you to get be on that payment schedule? That's more my Something style. Something like that. That's yeah. more my style. I'm Polite, not asking you about firm. your damn sweater. I'd be like... Yeah. Uh, so, do you like? Do you want to e transfer? How are we gonna? How are you gonna send me that money back? I remember one time I lent my sister money and then she forgot. She forgot. Sometimes we and do then forget, she started though. spending money and I looked at her and she was like, "What?" And I grabbed her by the jacket. I go, "You owe me money." And she's like, "Oh, oh, I forgot." But I was like, "With my sister, it's different. I'm really rough with my sister." Of course, yeah. But I'm like, "Yeah, I think you should be very direct." And I think it's so disgusting when people get la- like when your friend or your lover, whoever it is, loans you money and then you have amnesia about it. I think it just shows your character. I think it's the worse if someone lends me something i'm so hyper aware of it that i'm like i'm gonna pay you back and i let them know i'm like i'm gonna pay you back here here it is and i sometimes give them a little bit more and like add a little present just to let them know thanks for like i was in a tight spot thanks for helping me out yep. because when you burn that bridge and you don't pay that person back you are probably the person who's going to need money again and you know what you can't do you can't ask that person <laughs> but i think when it when you add romance relationship and that situation again i'm just you can tell i'm not a fan um <laughs> uh what if you're the person and you're in a relationship with somebody and you're always paying for you're not giving them money so to speak but you always end up paying for the dinners mm. you always end up like they'll invite you to eat but you're picking up the bill you're paying for the trip let's go on a road trip you're buying all the gas you've booked the hotel um, what do you do in that situation how do you handle that yeah that is a extremely common situation it seems to be more where men feel that that is the 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 role that they often play is that they meet a woman they fall in love with her and she never ever reaches for she's got what they call the dinosaur the tyrannosaurus rex arms where her arm just can't reach her wallet anymore oh i was gonna get that oh Oh, you oh okay you got it okay so there's something called reciprocity right where you feel like you're you might be getting something back that doesn't have money attached to it. So maybe that person, mm-hmm. especially if you are in a situation where one person works and one person stays home with kids. Okay. So you might be feeling like, okay, I pay for everything, but this person takes care of my household, takes care of the that, kids, yeah. makes sure that all that runs, which would, which is, there's a, there's a, there's cost a lot of it. value to that. If you yeah. were to hire a housekeeper and a nanny and a cook, all of that costs money, yeah. right? So there's one side. If you feel you're getting something back, then you may be okay with it. But if it's like you're starting to date and the person that you're with, and I've had this situation with men where they've never reached for the bill or they think that, what? you know, are you think, the girl who pays for the date? 
Sometimes I had, oh yeah. And I know to this day, my husband told me, he goes, the reason, he goes, I already really liked you. He goes, the reason I liked you even more is because from day one, you're like, let me get that, let me get that. And he goes, and you insisted on it second date. Like, you didn't let me get away with paying. So I'm like, oh, really? I did that? He goes, yeah. He goes, it was more, it was, sometimes it's sort of a, you know, a half effort to pick up the bill and say, oh, maybe I'll get it. And then the other person grabs it. And you don't you don't struggle you don't sort of fight for it but yeah. then there's there's where you're no 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 I'm paying for this there's a di- completely different but you did attitude. that second date first date he paid well first date because he asked me out of course he's gonna okay. pay just making yeah. sure I just have a thing about first date I'm like I agree with you it should be back and forth but first date this whole thing about men not paying for a first date I'm like no thanks uh, I, I, yeah I mean if, so if if I was single right now and I asked somebody out I should pay for that date because I've asked them to come out with me for dinner oh, and I think we live in 2018 and we can get over our whole and we all make money we all do well i mean if hopefully and um and if you're asking somebody out and you can afford to take them to a restaurant pay pay but if you are with somebody man or woman doesn't matter what relationship you're in if that uh, one person is always reaching for the check and always paying the bill don't think that they're not noticing they're noticing they're noticing and they're and they're the person i run into and say i can't believe i've been on 10 dates with this girl and she hasn't even reached for the check or i can't believe this guy made me drive all the way out to such and such place and still made me pay for the dinner so these things I mean, I personally would not want to be with somebody that was like that. And I Mm -hmm. think that if it's in the beginning of a relationship, it's only going to get worse. Okay. Well, I love this conversation. I'm going to end things off with a little game I like to call Reach Into My Bowl. I have a bunch of random questions here. Um, So I want you. Okay. These are most likely to. So reach in here. Okay. And pick one out, and we'll figure out, as both the, we went to the same high school, which one of us is most likely to. Ah, So what does it say, my dear? Oh, gosh. Most likely to answer a text during sex. <laughs> uh, is it a work text? How does this game go? We yeah, decide. Who's most, who's most likely to do that? I think you. Yeah, I would do. Yeah, I think you. I would totally do that. <laughs> I would totally, and I would be like, ah, shh, I just gonna, shh, I just, you know, sometimes if someone's talking too much, you can't text properly. Be like, oh, I can't, shh, shh, just stop for two seconds. I would probably most likely. Okay. I do sometimes pause whatever I'm watching and the whole time thinking, I can't wait to get back to that show. <laughs> can't wait. I love so, how you pause. I let the show run and keep watching. <laughs> I'm just like, okay, I'll just pause this here, okay, and then go back to it and be like, oh, I'm back to my show. All right, so I have another, this one, I have another uh, most likely to question for you to reach into my boat. But this one I'm just going to pull out of my out of my head. Um, between the two of us, who is most likely to ask for a prenup? Me or you, darling? I think you. Really? I think you. I'm, uh, okay, you're right. Yeah, I think you. <laughs> I tried to, but I'm like, I would, no, I would, yeah. But here's the, I will also be the first person, if I'm dating someone who has a lot more money than me, I would bring it up to them, as I would be more than comfortable to sign the prenup. Like, I think so, too. I, I would wouldn't be... wait for the person to bring it to me. I'd be like, I understand maybe the person comes from a very rich family or they have a business they want to protect. I'm like, I get it. People work hard for their things or this belongs to you and your family. And this is a romance, but things change. Bring it to me. Let me, let my lawyer look at it. And I'm more than willing to sign it. Yeah, I think I would I would be in your situation as well, too, where if I did fall in love with someone who had loads more money and maybe had other things that they felt that could open up vulnerabilities. Because the problem is not really me. The problem is, is something happened to me and then the other people in my life, how they might try to come in and get a piece of Thank you. whatever it was. So there's a lot of other moving parts. And so, like... 
you know, if you own a home uh, with a friend and then you get married and something happens to you, that partner might come in and say, oh, well, the, my wife owned it. So you got to give me, you know, so all those things should be settled. Sign the prenup. Yeah, and sign it. And um, But remember, a prenup only protects those assets from before you get married. They are contestable. They're yeah. not ironclad. I know people yeah. need to know that too, but I, you know, we'll leave that for another day. But Rabina, thank you so much. This conversation about relationships and money needs to happen more honest. Turn to your partner tonight when you go see them. Say, hey, honey. We need to talk about money. We need to draft up a plan. Pause if you already show. don't have, yeah, if you already don't have one, um, where can people find you? Uh, you can go to my website, alwayssavemoney.com, or you can follow me on Twitter, Always Save Money. Awesome. Very smart. All right. Friendly reminder to the listeners you can subscribe to the podcast on Apple Play Podcasts, Google Play Music, and Spotify. You can also buy my lovely book where I do talk about being single and money. It's called Single Girl Problems and it's on Amazon.com. Send us your relationship questions or comments to Single Girl Problems Podcast at gmail.com. That's all the show we have, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.